This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Hello, and welcome to Daily Drive. It's Tuesday, May 3rd, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. Governments in Canada and the U.S. invest in the battery-powered future. Who spent it better? Also, Jose Munoz adds international duties at Hyundai, while the automaker breaks up with the European startup. Plus, American Honda rethinks dealership requirements for a post-pandemic future. First, let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Stellantis said it will spend $2.8 billion to retool a pair of assembly plants and open R&D centers in Canada. Plants in Windsor and Brampton, Ontario will be converted into what the company described as, quote, flexible multi-energy vehicle assembly facilities ready to produce the electric vehicles of the future. The company will also build two R&D centers in Windsor, focusing on electric vehicles and EV battery technology. Back in the 2020 negotiations with the Canadian Union Unifor, Stellantis already committed to spend up to $1.1 billion to retool the Windsor facility. So the big news here is that the governments of Canada and the province of Ontario will contribute about $400 million each toward the projects. No new product plans were detailed for either factory. Not to be left out, in the U.S., the Biden administration said it will spend more than $3 billion to support the domestic manufacturing of advanced batteries used in EVs and energy storage. The Energy Department told reporters on Monday that grants will be made available to produce key metals for batteries such as lithium, cobalt, and nickel. The grants are intended to reduce U.S. reliance on competitors, most notably China, which is the leading producer of lithium-ion battery cells. The money comes from the bipartisan infrastructure bill signed into law last year, which earmarked $7 billion for batteries and the creation of a U.S. supply chain to produce them. Jose Munoz, Hyundai Motor Co.'s chief operating officer, is being tasked with expanded oversight for the Korean automaker's global operations. Among the additional duties, product and sales management in Africa, Europe, India, and the Middle East. Munoz will retain his role as CEO of Hyundai Motor North America and Hyundai Motor America, responsible for operations, strategies, and performance in North, Central, and South America. He will now also oversee global talent recruitment and retention in its new technology-based businesses and will work more closely with Hyundai's venture capital firm in Silicon Valley to identify tech-focused talent in design and programming. Munoz, 56, joined Hyundai in 2019 He will also join the company's board of management pending the approval of Hyundai's general shareholder meeting in March of 2023. While we're talking about Hyundai's global endeavors, one in Europe didn't turn out as well as it might have been hoped. Hyundai is ending projects with Rimac Group, sources tell our colleague Nick Gibbs, after the Croatian automaker deepened its ties to Porsche. Hyundai and sister brand Kia invested $84 million in the electric startup in 2019 to take a 12% stake. Hyundai's relationship with Rimac soured as the startup became more closely linked 
to Porsche, according to one of the sources. Last year, Porsche increased its stake in Remats to 24%, up from 10%, and the two formed a joint venture to take over Volkswagen Group's Bugatti hypercar brand. Hyundai will take in-house an electric sports car project it started in collaboration with Remats, one of the sources said. The vehicle's expected launch is early 2023. It is unclear whether the Korean company will sell its stake in Remats. And that's the news you need to know. Coming up, learning to live with less inventory during the chip crisis. Has Honda rethinking facilities requirements? We'll dig into that after the break. Listen to Fred Hayes, service manager at Temecula Valley Buick GMC, and Philip Candido, fixed operations director, talk about their experience with GoMoto in their service drive. Before GoMoto, the backups in the service lane were due to not being able to get to the customer in a, in a timely manner. There's times where menus are passed over where the advisor forgets to tell them, hey, it needs its major service. And now with the GoMoto, customers are presented with a maintenance package every time. The time freed up from not having the customer sitting in front of them every single time they come in. It helps them be more efficient. It helps them focus more on the customer's concern and the, the maintenance and service of the vehicle. Before GoMoto, we would average approximately 130000 in service gross. The kiosk and the service drive doubled the gross profit in the dealership. It's amazing. 100%. Using the GoMoto kiosk makes the dealership more profitable. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency just like Temecula Valley? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O.com. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters. The COVID-19 pandemic and the ensuing shortage of semiconductors has taught the U.S. auto industry a lot about what's possible, such as thriving even when inventory is down by 90%, and learning how to serve shoppers both online and in person. The whole experience has many brands questioning long-held assumptions about the importance of dealership showrooms as retail palaces. In a recent interview, Dave Gardner from American Honda told our Carly Schaffner that the old ways of keeping two or two and a half months of inventory on hand is just completely inefficient. For more on the matter, I called up Carly at her home office in California. Carly Schaffner, welcome to Daily Drive. Thanks, Jamie. It's good to be here. You had an interesting story in this week's edition of Automotive News about some new thinking on facilities requirements at American Honda. What's going on? That's right. Well, I spoke with Dave Gardner, who oversees Honda and Acura, and he said just all of the changing times that we're going through right now, he called a lot of our situation uncertain. What, what they're seeing, it's very hard to predict. But one of the observations that they're thinking is that there might not be such a necessary need for bulky um, dealer lots with so much inventory. I mean, obviously, everybody's dealing with a lot less inventory right now. Uh, you say uh, Honda's uh, inventory is, is, is down like it's a fraction of what it was uh, even just a couple years ago, right? 
That's right. He said that when he came on board in May of 2020, that they were sitting with 400,000 units in inventory, and they're down to about 25,000. And Honda in particular has been running in the single digits of days supply. So um, dealing with myriad issues, trying to keep um, inventory flowing for customers. And as such, the dealers have become accustomed to selling deep into their pipelines, both Honda and Acura. And that's kind of a good coupling with the trend for digitalization right now. Consumers are more used to going online to find what they want in terms of um, the mix of uh, trim or engine choices and just vehicles themselves. So um, having he asked the question, do we really need lots that can hold every single option and make and model? So they used to have used to aim for 60 to 75 days of supply. And in, in your interview with him, he called that completely inefficient in today's market. Um, yeah, so what is the target? They, they don't necessarily want to have only six days supply, right? Uh, what, what are they aiming for? He did not give a specific number, but he did say he narrowed it down. We've heard a couple different figures from him, but he narrowed it down to about 20 to 30 days. Okay. So that's uh, quite a bit more than they have now, but quite a bit less than they used to carry. Yes. I heard, I've heard that Honda will be under a 15-day supply throughout the rest of this year. Wow. Yeah. So still lingering even uh, even through the entirety of, of 2022. What else has Honda had to learn to do differently in this tight inventory environment that they think can allow them to uh, carry on with less inventory and maybe even uh, smaller uh, dealership footprints? Well, I think you're seeing a lot of changes right now with the Acura brand going more digital, placing more emphasis in the digital space. Um, I think that best practices from digital will help them be able to see the ordering patterns from their customers and be able to send that information back to the facility to figure out how to optimize what's coming off of the line. Um, he did mention back in a 400,000 unit environment, they did not need to communicate um, ETAs and delivery dates to customers, but the, de the dealers have been doing a better job at, at that. And I think that lends to kind of um, a good transition into the digital environment as well. Yeah, absolutely. Right. We've heard about it for years. Um, brands and uh, dealers and manufacturers from manufacturers and retailers have, you know, wanted Americans to be more like Europeans, place an order and let us make exactly what you want. That's um, not been the nature of the American consumer. And, uh, but now that's somewhat changing. It changed as a as a as a product of necessity. And uh, and it, maybe it's uh, semi permanent. I mean, what are they? What is Honda seeing in terms of customer attitudes in this environment? Are they are there their pros and cons? I think you know some customers probably don't like the lack of inventory, uh, but maybe they like the online ordering and doing some of the financing even uh, digitally. Yeah. So Mr. Gardner said that he and you know the rest of the Honda American Honda team has seen an uptick in the digital action. You know the 
the ordering, but that the number of customers that actually go from A to Z in terms of purchase is still low, but that their expectations are more managed in terms of waiting for the vehicle that they want to get. So we've seen a lot of changes in uh, the retail environment lately in auto retail. And a lot of it is tied to the switch to EVs. It seems like some brands are just sort of blindly following Tesla. It sells EVs and it sells online. So even though electric powertrains and digital retail are totally unrelated, maybe they go hand in hand, at least in some brands' eyes. How does Honda look at it? What's, what's Gardner's viewpoint? It seems they're taking their own approach. Um, they're going to start out with a move to hybrids. So they're going to hybridize, the word, hybrid, uh, make, place emphasis on the Accord, the CRV, and the Civic. And they're going to try to capture those customers first. Then they're going to all the while study EV and Mr. Gardner said that not every dealership in every region would come online with battery electric right away, that it made more sense to study changes that needed to be made in ZEV states like California, um, where volume is very high, although we know nationwide the EV purchase, new vehicle purchase volume is still one digit, you know, around two or three percent. But in California, where it's very high, it would make more sense to study best practices at those dealerships first. Yeah, of course, that makes a lot of sense. And having the flexibility to uh, adapt by market, obviously, a, a place like Iowa or you know Kentucky is going to be a, on a different curve than a, a California or Massachusetts. Uh, so uh, good to have that flexibility, I guess. But in this... Uh, speaking of flexibility, right, in this uh, changing economic environment with less inventory, perhaps for a longer term, I would imagine giving dealers more flexibility, fewer demands uh, for facility needs and costs must be a, a welcome development when that happens or if that happens. I, they're really, Honda, just to be clear, is currently only uh, reassessing or reevaluating the facilities requirements, right? Yeah, nothing has been set in stone. I think it's a very just top level way of thinking at it right now. I know they want to optimize um, the business and keep it as efficient as possible. Um, and I did speak to one Acura dealer who said that no changes in regards to actual physical footprint had been discussed, but there were changes that had been in, in talks in terms of the EV transition. Uh, how so? What what about the EV transition? So the Acura, there's a small group of Acura and Honda dealers working with a small group within American Honda to figure out the next step for bringing all of the battery electric vehicles online. So they had discussed facility changes in that regard, um, just talks, early talks, and it was mostly in really in regards to technology changes and shop configurations. I mean, how many chargers and when is a huge, uh, a huge capital decision for, uh, for dealers or at least a significant one? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Um, Honda has just under 1,100 dealerships and Acura has 280. 
Um, so if they're planning to, as they have said, move into a transition, which Honda has a lofty target to sell 800,000 EVs in major markets in such as North America by 2030. So like I said, they're going to do it in small steps, but that's still a, a big goal. So the EV transition is on the horizon for them. They're going to need to consider installing charging stations and all of the um, the different changes that will come in facility. Okay, and we'll stay tuned and we'll count on you to tell us when it happens, Carly. Okay. Thank you. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. You can get the latest news on the chip shortage, retail trends, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Thanks to Nathan Kadick for editing today's show. Thanks to the Automotive News Multimedia team and web editor Victor Galvan for their help. And thanks to you for listening and making the show part of your daily routine. Now let's all get back to work.